Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo, primas. We are back. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. I'm your primo, Luis Velasquez. That's your primo, Christopher Costello. Primo, we are getting down to it. It is almost football season, the best time of the year. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I know that I know you've been itching to talk about football. I, I think uh, I'm starting to feel it. I actually got to make sure that I send out uh, fantasy football invites tomorrow. I try to send them every August oh, 1st. So yeah. it's time for the that's comeback. That's the thing for me. Yeah, that's the thing for me that like really sets off football season. It's like, oh, I got to start doing all my mock drafts. But um, I'm hyped, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the season's going to be really great. I think there's going to be a lot of like really, really interesting teams we got all this movement going i know what they were talking about was just the the idea of what is happening in the running back market and what is like the scandals with these like owners and teams um you know we we just got one scandalous team that got changed up in the the washington commanders but we know that these that there is plenty more shady owners out there and the one that is always seems to me the funniest is the stories that come out of Indianapolis with Jim Irsay. But right now it looks like there's another scandal coming out of there with him him and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, old co- coked up Irsay, as I like to call him. Um, one thing that getting me, getting me pumped up, Primo, and uh, that really got me going was the, uh, the throwback reveal of the Tennessee Titans jersey. Ooh. They look so nice. Like, we should just go back to the jerseys. Like, just go back to them. Let's just be the Tennessee Oilers again. And just rock the... Man, like... Ooh, man. The Simmons jersey. Like, I don't know what... I, we obviously got to get... Like, I got to get one of these, right? It's either going to be Henry or Simmons or maybe Bayer. You're not getting Tannehill? No, fuck that. No, no, no. <laughs> He's not going to be there next year. I don't Ain't know. nobody buying that jersey. Nobody <laughs> buying that Oiler Tannehill jersey. Yeah, that's great. Like that, that is so nice. Even like Tampa Bay came is coming out with their throwback. I didn't, yeah. I didn't remember liking those jerseys as a kid, but now like the the creamsicles, they look pretty nice, bro. Yeah, it's funny how fashion changes over time. The I remember those old helmets. I remember for a little bit being like, "There's nothing good about this helmet except that he's got the knife in his mouth." Yeah, the yeah. Buccaneer. Yeah. And I was okay. like, yo, that's some real gangster shit. Like, it's almost as like, it, I feel like the, the face part is like scarier, more intimidating, more gangster than even the Raiders. Because it could just because of the knife. But yeah, those creamsicle ones are going to be fun to watch. But I'll tell you this the, yeah, seeing that baby blue, I was like, oh, like, and I don't know what it is, but it was just like, oh, this. I don't, it's definitely nostalgia, but whatever it was, like I was even to the point where like I'll never get a Tannehill one, but we know this is probably a one and done. But I'd even get like a Hopkins one. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've been thinking like I've I wanted to start collecting uh, jerseys of like players you didn't know they were on that team, right? Like I would love. I, and I've been yeah, like yeah, I would yeah. love a Randy Moss Tennessee Titan jersey. Like I've I've been looking on eBay. I've been trying to find me one of these jerseys. Oh, you mean like they they never played there? No, he Randy Moss was a Titan. Do you remember Randy, Randy Moss not being a Titan? No, I do not. He was a Titan for like five six games. Like we traded for him and he barely played because he got hurt. 
You don't remember Randy yeah, Moss being a block. Titan? Those things I try to block from my memory. <laughs> like, A.J. Brown is almost well, that, erased from my memory. That's Except kinda, every time I go into my trunk, I find the, the wash rag and it's his jersey. <laughs> well, that's kind of the uh, the thing that got me down to Randy Moss was like uh, when we signed D-Hop. It was like, is he another one of these, uh, you know, signings by the Titans that are not going to end up well? Like a Randy Moss. I can't remember where... Was it, I want to say after New England that we traded? And it was like yeah. for, it was the, I'm pretty sure it was after. Yeah, yeah it, was it, was a, it had to have been after New England. It was an in-season trade. But yeah, he's a Titan. You know what I'm saying? He's good. We'll, we'll claim him. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, um, but let's I, get. I mean, the fact that I heard it again made, made my feelings hurt again. I'll just <laughs> Yo, let's get into this uh, this whole situation with, first off, like the running backs right now. Um, them being undervalued, or are they, like, is this legit? What are, you, what are your thoughts on this whole NFL running back situation? I feel like that Zoom meeting that they had should have never got released that they had that meeting. Because I feel like that made them even weaker. Right, like it was like, oh, you had this meeting, but you did not accomplish anything. I don't know why that got released. Like, I feel like it only gets released to like ESPN or anything like that if you're like somehow gonna like make moves, right? Or like you're gonna stand your ground against like ownership or something. But it was basically like all these guys met up, and then I think was it a day or two later that Saquon Barkley signed his deal anyway. Yeah, right away right? after he had been I, I, out. I think it was like so it was right just after, like, like yeah. Like, I'm wondering if Saquon Barkley was the smartest one and was like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do shit. Let me sign this thing right now. (laughs) It's weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about. Of course, you know, me, uh, you know, I have a passion for Derrick Henry and I want him to be a Tennessee Titan for life. Um, I think there's a, a top tier of running backs that you have to pay that, like, that team revolves around that running back, right? So you have Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry. You got to pay that man, right? Because he is the offense, right? You have to pay a Jonathan Taylor for the Colts, right? Because he is that top tier. You have to pay uh, McCaffrey, right? That's a dude that you got to, you know, he is that offense. Um, But after that, like, I'm not sure... What, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I want these running backs to get paid, but if you're looking at, I'm looking at a list here, right, of the uh, last Super Bowl winning running backs, right? And let's go back to 2009, Pierre Thomas, 2010, James Starks, you got Amal Bradshaw, Ray Rice, Percy Harvin, LeGarrette Blunt, CJ Anderson. LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt, Sony Michelle, Damian, like those, these are Super Bowl winning running backs, right? You can't. So rings aren't won with your running back, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking that's what, you know, that's kind of what these GMs and these owners are, are realizing, like, in today's game, like, you can't waste the money on there. And that, like, it. The fact that the salary cap is so low that you can't 
pay these running backs is ridiculous to me. I, I saw I saw a stat the other day that uh, they the teams make forty million dollars a year purely on the parking lot home games. What forty million dollars in just the parking lot situation? Yeah, I'm, this is one of these things that I like. Like it's like the hill to die on for. I hate paying for parking. Yeah, it's the worst. Like, I don't think I'm a cheap person, but parking for some reason bothers that. You know why? Because I look at like these crazy big empty lots, and I'm like, yo, I can't believe they're making us pay to like post up here. Especially like, there in New York, work. like New York, like <laughs> the parking sucks. Oh, yeah, no, here I can understand it. Like, in New York, we're like, they're like, yeah, there's such limited space, so we're going to make y'all all fork over money. But, like, any of those, like, events, I'm just like, I can't believe that I got to pay money to, like, to just it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm always like, yo, I just want to, like, Uber to places, like, just to not pay the park. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I, I agree 1,000% on that. But they just think that $40 million on just parking, if you use that $40 million to pay for a running back... Like, just <laughs> half of that, right? Just half of your parking can pay and make these running backs happy, but you have the salary crap going on. Also, like, the I believe the NFL has the worst player association of all the sports. Like, they, they, they're just so bad, and uh, I can't even think of his name right now, but the president of the player association, um, he's already been linked up to, like, being buddy-buddies with Goodell, being buddy buddies with the with the, some of the owners, like he, how they not got rid of that dude, um, is crazy to me. Um, another thought was that I be, I believe it was either Derrick Henry or Austin Eckler who uh, like initiated this Zoom quote unquote Zoom meeting that they had with all the running backs, and to me, Austin Eckler is kind of the reason. Why running backs don't get treated as good, right? Because the th- the thought and the feeling is that you just get a running back from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had what well, the Chargers. I'm trying to remember who their uh their first round pick running back was before Austin Eckler. You know, I'm bad with names. What's the dude? He went to Denver. Yes. Um. Yeah. He is now in. What is his name? What is his name? Oh my God! Wow. You're right. I can't. Anyways, while you look that up, I'll just say, um, that Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent. I think he went to like North Colorado College, some some crappy college, right? And it just like he just came up and he's that dude at running back and just like pay Austin Eckler on his rookie contract and you you know you have a dude. You don't have to pay that much money for a first rounder, right? And so Austin Eckler yeah. kinda leading this way is like, bro, you're literally like they're on their PowerPoint on why you don't pay running backs, like you're the headline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Helping Gordon. Ah, Melvin Gordon. Jesus Christ, man. We got to be better. We got to be better. I know we're old, right? And uh, But we got to be better with names. 
Yeah, Melvin Gordon is that guy that like should have been the star for them, and now is just uh, he he just signed with who did he just sign the Ravens, which I think is actually an interesting pickup for them because they seem like they're pulling everybody who's in their twilight years to surround Lamar Jackson to try and like make something happen over there. Right. But I always I, think I, that I, they're gonna figure out that running back position. And then they never Never. do, right? Never. Never. Anyways, one one of the crazy stories that coming out of this uh, running back situation is the Jonathan Taylor situation. It's like, it's going off the walls. He is in his final year of his rookie contract. Um, So he's battling with, with, uh, you know, battling with ownership, talking about, uh, you know, uh, getting an extension. Um he wants a new contract. I think he's getting paid, let me see, $4.3 million this year, which is crazy. Like, Jonathan Taylor is not only a top-tier, like, running back, but, like, a top-tier offensive weapon in the NFL altogether, right? And so you're paying him 4.3 million. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. And you're paying him $4.3 million this year, which is a steal. It is a steal. So, of course, he wants to raise the bar on getting paid. Uh, but then, like, Coked up Ursay is like he just loves to be messy, bro. Like Ursay is so yeah. messy. Usually, usually cokeheads are sloppy. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he comes out and uh, he talks about like, um, you know, just not paying the running backs. He talks about it to the press he's he talks about what he, he pulled some crap he definitely coked up when he made this uh, this tweet is that is it even a tweet anymore is it an x what i don't even know what to call twitter anymore um so that's right yeah 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 is it an x yeah is it an x so he said that comes out of the, an x is a bad thing <laughs> he sent out an x talking about like uh when I die, the NFL move on. When you die, the NFL will move on. We're really just a pawn and all this crap. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, so, yeah, things are going crazy. Uh, what did he say? Ersay essentially said that the players negotiated a CBA and that the running backs need to just deal with what's happening to them. He also said agents of running backs are selling bad faith. And then 24 24- he said that they're selling what? Bad faith. Got it. So Taylor agent uh, says the relationship can be fixed less than 24 hours after Ursay's tweet. There was talk that maybe the relationship could be fixed, but Taylor's agent threw cold water on that with three words. I doubt it. Also in response, Ursay says bad faith tweet had to say bad faith is not paying your top offensive player. Yikes. Uh, and then after that, Taylor and Ursay have a face-to-face meeting. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, they have a face-to-face meeting um, in a, in a bus, in Ursay's bus over the weekend. Uh, and then things got worse after that. After that meeting, uh, Jonathan Taylor requests a trade right away. Right, go figure. Ursay made it worse. With with their number one, like he's he's the number one player on the team, right? Who else is on this team that you're rapping? 
Uh, so Taylor demands a yeah, trade. This is not the time either. Yeah. Like, and this is a, the one argument that I will make around like running backs and, and why owners and the league can get away with this is that you are most likely at the biggest risk of getting hurt. The way contracts are set up in football, that you can cut players, right? That's why players argue so much for guaranteed money, but only really stars and not even stars, but superstars get guaranteed money. And that makes sense from a business perspective that you could have someone that is injured, but then it's just restructure the contracts so that injury then removes entire pay and you just pay partial to these guys. But also then the league should have these like insurance policies like they do in like basketball, like we're seeing with Lonzo Ball, where they know he's going to be out for the year. The Bulls can collect on an insurance policy that pays that money out for him to be out because it's an unexpected injury. But Jonathan Taylor, the issue with Jonathan Taylor, at least in this particular situation, is the worst possible thing could have happened to Jonathan Taylor in his first rookie contract, which is he got hurt. And once you get hurt, then they're like, oh, you're damaged goods, and they can immediately just play that against you to not give you guaranteed money and not give you a long contract, which is what we're seeing and also is part of the problem is someone like Ezekiel Elliott, who did not get hurt in his rookie deal, but then you saw that over a couple of years is not really producing at the rate that he once was, hasn't really ever been hurt, but now, like, he's nowhere to be found. Like, people don't want to sign him. I think he's actually going to, what last I heard is he's going to go visit the Patriots. Right, right. Right? So, those types of scenarios don't work out best for running backs. And, legitimately speaking, from a business perspective, the life expectancy of a running back is very, very short. And those are the things that, like, I think people who, who are on the extreme of, like, no, pay them, this is unfair. Like, I can see the other side of those things. But yet, when you have a, what is Jonathan Taylor, like 23 years old? Yeah, he's got to be. This is 14. <laughs> when you have a 23-year-old rushing champion, former rushing champion, you pay that guy. Especially when your team just finished getting what? Were they the number four pick in the draft? Yeah. Right? Like, when you're that low, like, you don't just, like, badmouth and get rid of or force out your best player on the team, like just like you were saying. Like, you could actually build something with this guy, and you may have just like ruined your own franchise right now by trying to be like play hardball with your best player. Yeah, especially like you're going into this year, you have a rookie quarterback who everybody would like. He may not be able to throw right now, but the tandem of of him and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield rushing wise. Would, yep. would have been insane, and everybody was going to be scared of that. Like, oh, man, that freaking option yep. between them two is going to yep. be crazy. Insane athleticism. Right. But then, like, here, here's the, uh, here's the, uh, Ursay's bizarre response to trade demand. So, Taylor demands a trade after that meeting, and then Ursay, coked up Ursay says, first, it should be noted that Ursay guaranteed that he won't be trading Taylor. He then also added a bizarre quote about how life will go on no matter what happens in this situation. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us, Ursay said. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be part of it. Uh, Just, I mean... I don't understand. I really, I really, I, I don't understand. I would imagine that Jonathan Taylor's argument after hearing that quote 
is yes, and also only one of us dies a billionaire. Right. Right. This gives off <laughs> right, like to me this is like gives us a lot of like pay the teacher vibe. Like like pay these running backs already. Right. You freaking billionaires are making forty million dollars in the parking lot and we can't pay these running backs. Right? It's but it, then uh, the next step in this bizarre thing is uh, Indy is now thinking about putting Taylor on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. If that happens and is justified, then the Colts would, wouldn't have to pay Taylor a dime this year. It would also make a missing situation even easier. So the non-football injury list is that he got hurt um, not doing football stuff. Right? So, like, if you... How do they legitimately prove that he did not hurt himself in football activities? And how do they prove that he's hurt? Yeah, I'm sure there's like... doctor to say, like, oh, he can't play? Yeah, I'm sure there's, like, a big, like, detective work. I know who... There was somebody who got hurt, uh, like, punching a glass. I think it was baseball. Oh, what was it? A couple years ago, the dude was playing on, on the Wii. Oh, I have to look the fairness out. There's a dude playing on the Wii, like Wii bowling or something. And he hurt his throwing arm. And he tried, like, he tried to make it something you, else. You think those things are real? What's that? When it's like, I hurt myself playing the Wii. <laughs> hey, so, I always feel like that's a really good story. And it's like, that shit did not happen that way. Yeah, like, those you, things are you like, really punched something else, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know what's interesting too about what you what you brought about Ursay being like we're not trading Jonathan Taylor is like the minute an owner a GM says they're not trading someone next week they're yeah, gone. give it forty eight hours right yeah <laughs> but of course uh, Taylor uh, uh, he responded Taylor was going on the NFI list due to back injury he suffered while working out on his own during the off season that I guess that's the that's the story that he's, and that's crazy too. Like, if you get hurt working out, um, like that, you can get put on this list. But if you get hurt working out at the facility, then that's like a football injury, right? And again, like well, to me, this, like this is the thing I'm just seeing right now, because right now at 1:40 p.m., right? It's 2:32, so this is a uh, what less than an hour ago that the Indianapolis Colts have feared that running back Zach Moss has suffered a broken arm and is out four to six weeks. Who who was that? Sorry. Backup running back, Colts running back Zach Moss <laughs> has just suffered a broken arm and is out four to six weeks. Ursay is his own jinx, man. Like I don't know anybody who screws themselves in the way that this man does. I would say after, now that uh, old boy is gone in Washington, like, he's got to be, like, the next one, right? Like, he is. And, and the reason he got hurt was because he was running first-team reps because Jonathan Taylor is not there. <laughs> hey, you can find a running back, right? That's what Jonathan Taylor, go find one, right? You say you go, dime a dozen, right? Go find a running back then. Go yeah, see if he's exactly. out there, right? That's crazy. Look. Being Titans fans, like whatever, like Colts, like enjoy this. Like I, I will enjoy it as a Titan fan. 
it, it's only good news for us. Right, right. I will enjoy it. But I am not going to lie. Like, I feel bad for Jonathan Taylor. I feel bad for the running backs. I think they are being disrespected. Like, now it's getting to a point where, like, uh, you know, you have to start thinking about this at a younger age. Like, do you want to remember running backs, bro? When we were growing up, like, running back was it. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, everybody wants to play running. Yeah, everybody wants to play running, but now you're like, I don't know. It's slowly going away. Like you need some. Like, what are offenses gonna do? Just take, just run four or five wide all the time. That's kind of where we're going. Yo, I, I can't believe I'm gonna reference this movie. But how much is this? Like the exact like first what twenty to thirty minutes of. Uh, uh, what is this this high school team football movie, uh, Varsity Blues? Ah, uh, yeah, with, yeah. With that running back who was like, he's like, oh, I'm just his workhorse. Once we get to the goal line, then it's like a keeper or a sneak or whatever. And it's like, he's like the one, one of the few black players on the team. And they use him up, right? He's like playing with injury and he gets all the yardage, but he gets no TDs. And so he doesn't get recruited. Like he doesn't get that star number, which is also back to your original point of like, listing those those running backs that uh have won super bowls when you were saying those names like it was like yeah those guys are not like star guys right like they're not high top dollar guys but i don't think a lot of those guys with the exception of a couple that you mentioned were the starting running back for those teams that year which is also part of the argument for owners right it's like these guys don't last the whole season but yet there was star running backs on your squad that got you to the playoffs got that you got there, you right. winning records that got those touchdowns and those guys whether they're there for the whole thing or not right they got you to that point they contributed a major major part in getting you those wins which is also really interesting to me and in how we're comparing it to the nba where like guys who get traded mid-season still get a ring right that's so <laughs> opposite of the yeah. nfl yeah and um but you know i think those things are, are just like where these players they almost need their own running back union. Like, they almost need their own rep for their position. And so do tight ends, by the way, right? We, we've seen right. that from, like, Kittle right. arguing on our consistency. He's like, yo, I have to block as good as an offensive tackle. I have to catch, like, a wide receiver. And then I also have to know the playbook almost as much as a quarterback because I have to know all the changes, all the pulling, all of those things. Yeah, like, and those guys don't get paid wide receiver or running back money. So those types of things are really interesting for those guys. Again, as well. to me, it's just the lack of legitimate representation, right? The the uh, the players' association is so bad in the NFL. It's so bad, and they're right. Like Ursay is right when he said, "Look, we we had this negotiation a while ago, like two years ago, right? You guys signed off on it. Nobody thought about running backs then, right?" They were worried about nutrition and uh, teams playing, uh, paying for legitimate food. Like, that was a big win for them. And that was one of the, like, uh, things that they fought yeah, really hard for was uh, making sure they have a chef, you know, at the team facility. And, like, okay. Which yeah, the like, fact that they don't is insane. Yeah, the fact that they have to fight for that. It's like, the fact that you would not have that. Yeah. The fact that you have to fight for that, again, embarrassing. shows me, like, it's just, but you, you fight for that, and then, like, 
you don't fight for the stuff that matters. Right? You don't fight for the stuff that which, matters. Which is where, like, the owners have to kind of be able to understand the ways in which football, particularly the NFL, has been compared to um, slave plantations. Right? Like, the yep. owners, like, cutting costs everywhere they can, and then when someone is injured, just getting rid of them. Right? Like, not treating them as people and treating them as property. And then that viewpoint also as well that they like view from the top and they're watching these players like just like basically crash into each other on a regular basis. Yeah. And but also, you know, this thing of, of representation around that is just how much football really is multi, like very different position. That's very different than when we look at the other two major sports in America in baseball and basketball, right? Like you'll get paid as a basketball player for your averages. Same thing with baseball. The slight thing with basketball is if you are a star, like if you're a Steph Curry, you're a generational talent in baseball, if you're a pitcher, right? But in football, all these positions are so different, which also speaks to, like, if you really don't know football, you don't realize how amazing pulling off of a plate is because you have so many people doing so many... ...sleeper to pull off a great play. And that's the beauty of football, where people just think like, "Oh, this is just guys like crashing into each other," and that's not really the case when we talk about how beautiful football can be. Yeah, I think that uh, it's difficult, man. Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand. I guess the the uh, the argument on the end is like, "Hey, you got to pay for fifty three players, right?" As opposed to basketball, who's playing for fifteen, sixteen. Uh, baseball is paying for like. 25 I think it is um, and so I I get that but also when you talk about comparison to how much NFL teams make to to baseball teams right um, I think basketball has closed the gap a little bit especially when you count the global numbers right um, but like it, it's, it, I mean, it's capitalism at its best, right? NFL is, is, is the rich kept getting richer, and meanwhile the employees are are the ones that get the short end of the stick, even though they're putting in all the work. Just NFL to me, NFL just get a better player representation, right? You need, and you got to be able to come together, right? When you're going into these battles. Um, it's hard. That, that's another thing that's hard because of the numbers. Because you got to have, it's really, I say 53, but that's the like the roster. But you're looking at like practice squad teams. So you're really looking at 70 players per team. They all got to get on the same page, right? And then you're, the only leverage that players ever have is, uh, you know, boycotting or, or boycotting the season. And, you know, some of these players, most of these players aren't superstars. Most of these players are not making that money. So for them to say, hey, I'm going to, you know, give up part of my career to boycott, you know, they're not going to do that, right? They, The average NFL player last three years, um, and that's if you're good, right? <laughs> Probably one to two years, and you got to take advantage of it. So it's just difficult, man. I wish, I hope players uh, get together, Um and and, yep. and, and yeah. be, be better, man. Just you gotta fight this, man. I'm rooting for you guys. Like you gotta fight this. I hope you you guys do a, a much better job um, of negotiating the next CBA. 
Um, moving on, Primo. Yeah, they. No, it. No, I was just last point was just like you can't have these great disparities between positions in that way, right? Like that's the biggest thing is you can't have a running back at ten million, a receiver at like twenty, and then a quarterback at like forty, right? Justin Herbert just signed the biggest uh, quarterback deal that we've ever seen. You have to balance that out in the same way that you would balance it out for a kicker, right? Because that running back is getting a crazy number of touches. So when you're talking about how much they're involved in plays, I can understand where a kicker would make a million dollars or $2 million and they're not on the field. And yet at the same time, you also have to pay kickers. All right, pretty well, let's move on, bro. Let's, uh, uh, one, one, uh, conversation I wanted to get in with you was, uh, Saudi Arabia, right? They're back at it again, throwing their money around. Like it's made out of made out of trees or what what is the saying? That is not the saying. They're throwing their money around like money is grown on trees is what I meant to say. Right. Uh so they have offered Mbappe, uh, who who we talked about a little bit last last week when we were talking about Messi. Uh to me, Mbappe is going to be the GOAT. He's only twenty four years old. Um, he has uh, got more goals, or he's got like two or three less goals of World Cup goals than than Messi already at 24 years old. Uh, but they offered him a crazy 776 million dollars to go play in Saudi Arabia. Um, that's crazy. It's crazy that he hasn't said yes yet. Right. Do do we know how many years that's for? Is that like a five year deal? Uh, what's crazy is he already makes seventy two million dollars right. a year. Right. Just in case folks don't know, that's soccer money. <laughs> for those people exactly. that are just in U.S. sports, that soccer money is real. As we just got done talking about running backs and how they're yeah, Jonathan Taylor's out here going four point three million. Okay. Mbappe is making seventy-two million this year. He's being offered as a twenty-four-year-old seven hundred and seventy-six million. So Saudi Arabia again is all in the mix here. Um, if you remember a couple of months ago, we had talked about uh, Live Golf and Saudi Arabia of of starting their own uh, golf league, um, throwing money around, taking some PGA players. There was a lot of controversy. Of uh, players going uh, to live golf and leaving, um, leaving the PGA Tour. I remember really the, uh, Saudi offering one billion dollars to Tiger Woods, him denying the one billion dollars, uh, talking about a moral clause, like he can't do it morality wise. Uh, PGA Tiger Tour. don't need any more controversy or dirt on his <laughs> right. name. Yeah, he's already got enough crap. Right. So I know I remember them PGA Tour using Tiger Woods to go around to other players and trying to, you know, preach the same thing. Like, we don't need to be messing around with Saudi Arabia um, and all this stuff. And so a lot of the players did not go because of that. And PGA Tour convinced them. Uh, well, a couple months ago, I would say maybe two months ago, they they merged together. PGA Tour and Live Golf have merged, become one. Uh, so PGA Tour went for the money really fast as soon as they could. Um, so yeah, that, I, we can read. Interesting is how that that deal's coming together, right? Because I, I didn't know what that meant. Like, what? How do you merge those 
two things, particularly when we saw that the the Saudis were offering like hundreds of millions of dollars to like top golfers. Um, and one of the things that came out of it that I realized what was happening was it, it said that, which I also didn't know this. Did you know that the PGA tour is a nonprofit organization, which yeah, is a joke in itself, yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely. From places that exist in country clubs to be nonprofits. Like that's just hilarious to me. Um, but the way that it's being run, it says that, According to the New York Times, the PGA Tour would remain a nonprofit organization and would retain full control over how its tournaments are played. But all of the PGA Tour's commercial business and rights, such as the extremely lucrative rights to televise its tournaments, would be owned by a new yet unnamed for-profit entity that is currently called New Co. New Co. will also own LIV as well as the commercial and business rights of the DP world tour, which this feels like, which I'm not really one to reference wrestling, but this feels like some NWO new world order shit is happening right now. in golf. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing it, bringing it wrestling. That's what I'm talking about. Primo. I can appreciate that. You say NWO. I did not have that on the board today. That you would be the one bringing up wrestling today. <laughs> I didn't see it coming either. But I guess for you, what what is your, which I don't know how much we can even use the word conspiracy in this idea, but what is your theory of what this actually is, this, like, golf existence for the Saudis? I don't know, like, man. Is like, is it just a way to poach players and, like, to create their own entertainment? Or is there something else happening behind closed doors? Obviously, there's something going on behind culture. I think it's it's kind of like a PR thing. Like they, I think I feel like Saudi is trying to normalize them to the world. Um, and what better way to do that than sports, right? What better way to normalize? Hey, Saudi Arabia is not that bad. Look at all the stuff they do with sports, right? And so, like, I don't know. Like, even like with Live Golf this year, like. Live Golf did horrible, right? Like they were on the uh, CW, right? That's they were on YouTube and the CW, <laughs> which is it's pretty bad, right? And so they're throwing around all this money, and I'm all like, I guess you know, being the the American side of me, like I'm questioning, like, what is the end game of this? Because they're not, you can't spend almost a billion dollars on Mbappe and thinking that you're gonna get make money back right yeah like, that can't be the end goal you're not gonna make your money back if you're spending that much player on one money on one player right do you think like people are gonna go to saudi arabia to watch him play like what i don't understand what's going on what what i'm really scared of is that they don't want money like i'm scared that they're like yeah we're absolutely gonna throw the money but we don't want money back that's not what we're after and whatever it is that they're tying themselves to and getting people to co-sign on whatever's coming out of there is what scares me the most like i'm more concerned that like these people aren't looking at what they're spending they're just like we just want a piece of like the social norms and culture of sports and entertainment and 
where that yeah like where that ends up what the end game is for that i have no clue but i am really worried like when i feel like dave Chappelle said this one time when he was talking about his situation with comedy central that he said that he got advice from his dad once and then his dad told him something to the effect i'm not i don't know that i'm quoting it exactly right but something to the effect of like if people try to pay you more than what you're worth run and it's basically like, yeah, like only bad people are going to offer you excessive amounts of money. And with like excessive amounts of money comes a lot of problems and a lot of like dangerous things that can happen. And as soon as we saw the numbers, right, like I think any legitimate sports fan that saw what they were paying these golfers when we, you know what they make for tournament purses and then also just soccer players now with Mbappe, like you were mentioning and Ronaldo, we saw with Messi, like, uh, and it, this is where I also respect kind of Messi in a certain way, is that Messi is still making an insane amount of money. Everybody knows you could have made more to go with the Saudis. And it's kind of that philosophy is like, trust the devil, you know, right? Like he knows Beckham and he's like, all right, this guy, at least I know. Right. And so if I get into dirt, like I at least can kind of figure out what's going on. But you go out there, you have no clue who's running anything, who's making, calling any shots. You just know that they're giving you a check. Yeah, I think that um, a couple wins that, that Saudi Arabia had this week was LeBron James uh, and Giannis coming out on, I can't, it, on X. <laughs> that that sounds like they were on ecstasy. All right, they're coming out. On, I don't even know how to refer that anymore. Uh, but they're tweeting, say, "Hey, I would be running to that money, right? Like, go ahead, go to. If you're not gonna take that money, Mbappe, I'll take it, right? Which to me is like Saudi Arabia. Like I said, Saudi Arabia is starting to normalize. Like, hey, it's okay to be on our side. It's okay to just, just here, just look at the money." Just like the money, come here, right? And I'm like, I can see, uh, you know, them eventually going into the basketball realm. Like they're gonna test waters, and they're gonna see what they're gonna hold. You can't tell me. I mean, NBA is is, is in it with uh, with China right now, right? And China is not that much better, if better at all, than Saudi, right? Great, but you cannot point. in the NBA, you cannot say anything bad about China, right? Because that's where a lot of their money is from. And so NBA is not, you know, they're not um, above and beyond all these other organizations that are going into Saudi. So I think, honestly, I think this is just the beginning. I think Saudi Arabia probably already has money in into different organizations that we don't know about through different funds, but through different names. You know, they've got a little bit of money here in the ownership in the NFL. I, I think if, if we look really deep into it, that you would find Saudi money into into all this stuff. Um, and then it's just, it's from now on, it's just going to be okay that it's Saudi money. And it's, uh, they're, they're winning. I think they're, as long as making money is not their priority, which I don't think it is, uh, Saudi Arabia is winning in 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 fixing their PR to me. Yeah, I, you know what's interesting is and now as we're talking about it is how much how much is this the Saudis being so rich that they're like, okay, everybody else try to keep up with us. 
And what they do is they're just like making sure that all of their competition goes bankrupt. Right? Like they're just making sure that everybody has to keep up and spends way too much money and screws themselves trying to keep up with them. And they're just so far ahead that they're like, you're never going to catch us. We already know that. And so you're just going to do yourselves in and then we're going to run everything anyway. And then, I mean, do they continue paying these salaries? If you, right? Like once you win Monopoly, you can set the price and you don't have to pay people anything, really. Which is kind of what we were just talking about in the previous segment of that's what NFL owners know. It's like, you okay, go play football somewhere else then. Right? What go play go play another league, get 10 mil to be a running back anywhere else. And you know you're not gonna find that. So they've kind of like already dom they dominate the market. They're the only people paying that amount of money. And so what is someone like a Saquon Barkley gonna do? Not take his 10 million? Right, right. So now that like is even scarier with regards to this. It's how much money is being paid. So but it seems like that where they're going is really the idea that Saudis who have a lot of money to spend on sports are really, really just spending money on now buying soccer clubs. Obviously, because soccer clubs are soccer is the well, I should say football is the most popular sport in the world, and these Saudi clubs are spending more and more money, um, which is really interesting. This is like a a, a paragraph from I'm talking about it from uh, from Forbes. Basically saying that um, we're talking about like Messi and and how much money he's making, but that Messi, as part of Paris Saint Germain, right, the club that he just left, that they're actually owned by Saudi ownership, and talking about how like the world's fifty highest paid athletes include seven golfers from the Saudi backed uh, Live Golf Tour. Plus, Messi's rival, Cristiano Ronaldo, who left European soccer to jump to Saudi Arabia's Al Nassar in January. As well as boxer Anthony Joshua, who fought Alexander Yusik um, in the country in August. Mbappe and Neymar play alongside Messi. And this is obviously former because Messi is now in Miami. But under Qatari ownership at Paris Saint-Germain. And Neymar endorses... Uh, Qatar Airways, while Formula One's Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are racing in four Middle Eastern countries this year, right? So the way in which they're this wave of Saudi, but more, more so like Middle Eastern money is taking over sports is really, really interesting. And also very scary when we know history and the way in which money gets invested to like distractions and entertainment. What is going on? And, yeah, and now I'm like scared. The more that we talk, to me it all started. Um, it's funny you brought up wrestling, but it's, it all started with WWE. Um, I want to say like five or six years ago, they started making uh, having pay per views, uh, big time events in Saudi Arabia, and getting paid like a crazy amount of money, right? Just for one, like WWE was making up to like. One to two hundred million uh, per show, right? And uh, it, it became controversial because first, like, they didn't want any women there, and so none of the women wrestlers would would be performing. Eventually, like, they uh, they they allowed women to be there if they were like fully covered up, right? And then 
um, some some uh, uh, some wrestlers who were like Jewish or something couldn't perform, and then it, like it's di- like different different things. Uh, but you know Vince McMahon, like he's not gonna shy away from the money. He'll do whatever. Uh, so and, and to me, they started dipping their toe in with with WWE and see what they could get away with, and then it's just bossing me. And it's to me, it's only gonna get bigger. Uh, in in five years, I'm interested to see we, we five years when we're still doing this show on ESPN, um, we will revisit and see where Saudi Arabia is at. If he, if ESPN lets us, they might not let us talk about Saudi Arabia in five years. Uh, when we're on right after first take, um, but uh, <laughs> that's we'll see, we'll see. Uh, one last, one last thing, primo, before we wrapped up, I really want to talk about which is going crazy right now, and I th- I feel like it's under the radar. There is a whole bunch of NCAA uh, scandals going on right now. All right, there is a whole, but like I mean, like a lot of NCAA scandals going on right now as we're getting into the uh, the football season. Uh, I'll, one one of the ones is uh, Georgia. Georgia, who is just won back to back NCAA football championships. Um, they had yeah, the, the new Alabama, the new Clemson. They are the the powerhouse of college football. Yeah, they really are. They really are, and I, I believe that they are. There's a good chance they can three peat this year. And I think they overtake Alabama. If they can do that, they've officially, like, overtaken Alabama. Um, But, that being said, win at all costs mentality. Right. Win at all costs mentality. Uh, Going back to the Florida years with Tim Tebow. uh, Going to Ohio State years of winning under that controversial coach. Um... The LSU program that is considered the best uh, college football team ever under Joe Burrow that year they won. There was a bunch of controversy on how that got done. Um, And now we're here at Georgia. Um, They had the unfortunate event where uh, a player and a team manager um, died in a car crash, right? Uh, they were speeding, they were racing, some of them were drinking. Uh, and so uh, what happened was uh, some papers, like, there's something going on here that we don't know about. And they started investigating the program. Uh, so it recently come out that apparently the University of Georgia has invested, I want to say it's $68 million in a law firm. That has uh, worked really hard in keeping uh, their troubles out of the limelight, if keeping their players. That's that parking lot. Yeah, that parking lot money. Okay, uh, they've worked really hard in keeping their their controversies under under wraps. So anytime a player gets in trouble, whatever, this law firm has been doing a really good job of settling out of court, uh, keeping it hush hush. The fact that you've got to spend $68 million on this tells me, like, there is a lot of stuff that, uh, if you're willing to invest $68 million into a law firm, like, there is a lot of stuff going yeah, on there. Program. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, 
Is it worth it though? You you won back to back championships. Um, again, winning all cost mentality. Another controversy. I just want to hit them all up, and we can just wrap up, uh, talk about them all at the end. Uh, Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, who was God at Northwestern for some reason. Right, he won a couple years, had a winning program. They they were like one in ten last year, so they were slowly diminishing. But Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern program uh, had a bunch of hazing stuff going on, uh, snapping the ball in the locker room naked, making players just stupid, stupid, idiotic stuff, childish stuff. Uh, a lot of sexual harassments going on. Um, stuff that you call quote-unquote locker room stuff. Um, Pat Fitzgerald gets fired because of that. He says he doesn't know anything about it. Um, but you're the head coach. You should know something. The fact that today in 2023 you're still dealing with these hazing stuff like this is ridiculous. But they're like, hey, he changed the culture around here. He made us a winning program at some point. Uh, this is just what we do. This is just football. Um, again, win at all cost mentality. No matter who it hurts, uh, is crazy to me. And then there was one more. I went. Oh, Fleck, um, former uh, Minnesota football player. Minis- I we're talking about Minnesota, okay? Minnesota uh, coach. There's a bunch of make allegation of toxic culture things that he would say to players. Uh, just, I can get that. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here, uh, but we only got a little bit of time left. Like, just, what are your thoughts on, I guess I, I want to go at the win at all cost mentality of these programs, um, choosing to win no matter what the cost is to different players. I think it's always interesting, like how coaches, could or could not know what is going on with the team. I also think about just how much is a coach really involved in the personal lives of these athletes. And like, I would think as a player, you're also like, I don't want coach to find out about this. Right. So you do what you can to keep things a secret or under wraps or not tell people. So this, to some extent, I kind of want to believe that coaches don't know everything that's going on and that programs would also to some degree be smart enough to not let coaches know what is going on. Right. And then, then at the same time, you have to have at least an institution and system and, um, kind of, a like a table of hierarchy where certain things are clearly like then brought to the coach, right? Like as a coach to be like, you're going to handle this, this, and this. If these types of things happen, I need to know about them, right? So those are the places where then I can see where like a coach is like, oh, like how did you not know about that? But then I can also understand going up the chain, somebody not telling a coach that because they're covering their own ass. I feel bad that like right, so many kids can fall under the radar in these players who are just like not being like honest and also just trying to like keep their head down and like make a roster spot. And also at the same time, we know how quickly college football coaches will be dismissed if they don't get wins. And if you're a coach, how much you're like, y'all, it does take everything to win. I don't care 
that certain things are happening because they've already happened and I need to keep it moving and make sure that we win this week. So it's kind of like everybody needs to be held accountable. And yet at the same time, I can understand how certain things would be miscommunicated. And especially if I, if I'm a player that might get drafted into the NFL and there's a, a way for me to cover something up, I can see a young man who hits their head every day against other young men not making the best decision and trying to cover a bunch of stuff up. And that's what we're seeing very much here with this car accident, which seems to be coming out of a lot of the stuff in Georgia that you were mentioning is sexual assault stuff that we know is part of college rape culture in America, but also particularly comes out in being covered up when it comes to uh, athletes and major major programs who are having great success as georgia currently is over the last like five years and particularly over the last two so i you know it's too many people you brought up earlier that like a a 53 man roster for a football team there's way more than that on a college football team you have tons of coaches you have tons of boosters you have tons of professors and people who are part of this so as a system that it just is what it is and really what ends up happening is that who are the presidents of these universities and these deans of discipline that need to then dismiss students from the university as soon as allegations like this come up. And that's really who I think is at fault. Yes, coaches, obviously you need to know and you need to know the quality and character of your athletes, but whoever's running the institutions needs to be able to hold the line to say, this person has to go. This is not okay. And we also know teams cover it up because they know that person will be picked up by Nick Saban the following week and will be redshirted or picked up and all of a sudden be an All-American in your same conference, right? And that's the, like, the crazy, vile thing that we're existing in when we're talking about college sports. Here's what I think. Here is my take. Being, um, Spent almost twenty years in a environment in the in the military that's kind of like a lot of like locker room stuff, right? A lot of locker room stuff happens in the military. Um, you hope, and I would hope that I always took the of whenever going into a new place is setting the precedent of where I stand morally, right? I want to win. I want to be the best. At all costs, but I, I wouldn't say at all costs. I want to be the best, but uh, my number one priority is always the people that are under me, right? And so uh, that is everybody, everybody. So I hope to build. I always talk about building a culture where if anything is wrong, that you can come to me and you know I can help you, right? If anything like this is going on, you can come to me. I'm going to understand where you're going from and I'm going to cut it out. So to me, Pat Fitzgerald didn't do a good job of expressing that. I also think like there were some coaches that were involved in some of this stuff. Also, um, so like, I, 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 to me, if I was betting man, I would bet like he knew some of this stuff was going on and he did nothing about it. Right. Um, you have to build a culture into where everybody is comfortable. Right. And if you if playing these stupid games like snapping the ball while you're naked. 
like if you think that's going to be the yeah, difference if, between like winning oh it's just the culture is guys being guys and like really that's going to be the culture that you like the first time that you hear about that you have to shut that down you have to shut it down talk about how ridiculous it is and make an example of whoever was doing that no matter who was doing it right i i think a lot of times coaches are fearful of how they'll look in the press right like as opposed to like this happens and so we want to sweep it under the rug so it doesn't get out right to me personally i would say this happens this is what i did with it because this is the type of program that i run and they need to know that this is not okay right i would take pride in that as opposed to like sweeping it under the rug right i would like to say hey right I was just like, hey, this is what happened in the program. I didn't see it happen. As soon as I found out that it happened, I shut it down. This is not what this, what I'm about as a coach. I don't care who you are. Right. And so. Um, I, I want to bring up one thing that, like, so remember UT head coach Charlie Strong, black coach Charlie Strong at UT, who tried to, like, clean up at UT immediately fell into a losing record, right? I don't know how many years he was there, but left pretty quickly because they were not winning. And then also set that program back, you know, a few years in trying to rebuild it coming back from that. And I think that that is a perfect kind of story for where coaches are like, yeah, I don't know that cleaning house is the best move and holding people accountable in that way is the best move. I also think you've talked about this before, when we talk Spurs basketball and Popovich and not understanding players of this generation, how many guys are going to play for you or come and get recruited by you if they know you're going to hold them accountable? And so how does then that create kind of like a, a very kind of scary either power or accountability dynamic within players where they're just like, hell no, that coach will cut me or that coach will tell on me or I'm going to have to deal with it myself once I do something wrong. And I don't know how many players want to play for a guy that's like that. And that's disappointing because I think that when we talk about it generationally, like you weren't allowed to get away with certain things, but we also know once money's involved, people are not going to mess with that money. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Like uh, players are not going to want to, but at the college level, um, as a parent, I would want my kid to go play there, right? I would if it's at the risk of losing millions of dollars. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can say I, get this, it. I can say this now because I'm in my forties, right? If you would ask eighteen, nineteen year old me, right, like probably like I'm gonna go play for the dude that's you know that's gonna give me millions or whatever, but like. I don't know. Again, this uh, to me it comes down to winning at all costs. Like, you can't win at all costs. To me, like it's just a moral thing. You like winning, like because some of these costs are like these kids' future who are messed up for the rest of their lives. Right? Is you winning the Big Ten championship worth this dude being in therapy for freaking you know ten to fifteen years, having nightmares, have you know not ever feeling safe? Is was that really worth it? Right, I don't like. I, just, I get what you're saying. Yeah, 
I'm just saying that other people don't think the way that we're currently stating yeah. or how you right yeah, now. That's what I'm like at, at 19, I'm pro- I'm not thinking like this, right? It's just life has happened to me in at 40, and so uh, I would hope that these coaches that have also had life in front of them. Uh, would would think more like this the way that I have as opposed to like I'm just gonna win at all costs because I want to be you know I need this money, um, but like here we go so I, so I looked up uh, I wanted to, to make sure that uh, I got this PJ Fleck thing to, where we're talking about University of uh, of Minnesota, um, he came up with this program called uh, Fleck Bucks okay so. Uh, so if you would go volunteer at uh an old person's home or a children's hospital or do you know any of this stuff that looks good you would earn some fleck bucks now what would this fleck bucks get you maybe maybe you're feeling a little bit more hurt now and you need uh a couple more pain pills than you're supposed to. You can use this fleck buck to get some pain pills from the trainer. Maybe a coach needed to help you Wait, out. This is University of Minnesota. PJ Fleck. Do my graduate program there. <laughs> if you can books for drugs in. No, I'm joking. Maybe you got in trouble with maybe some sexual harassment classes. Course, you know something that you're uh, supposed to do. And you had some fleck bucks. Here, coach, here's some of my fleck bucks. Can you help me out? Yes, I can. We can sweep this under the rug. Uh, so they found all this out in investigation. And the uh, University of Minnesota suspended him immediately for two weeks last month. So uh, he was. Was that? How did that get out? Like, how did who went and broke the news on this? Uh, I, th- I think it's a local paper there, local like uh, Minnesota paper there. So they suspended immediately for two weeks in June, right? Like that. Okay, you can't go to the facility for two weeks in June. For two weeks? Yeah, I think it was a two weeks or a month was, was somewhere in there, but it was in the off season, and so it was like. But we support him. He's good for us. We're going to win. He's building a winning culture here. Okay. At Minnesota, we're talking about. Minnesota. Like, we're not talking Alabama. We're not talking about LSU. We're just talking about University of Minnesota. Like, they're out there winning some things. Right? Like, they're, like, dominant. Yes, we will moral clause doesn't mean anything to us because we're gonna win six games here at Minnesota. Okay, and this is what we're doing. Um, this is disappointing to me, honestly. Like, I would hope, and like now, let, let me see. You're in this program. You're at University of Minnesota program, and uh, you're a player, and you do something bad. Right, um, something that you should get suspended for. But all you're gonna say is like, "What do you mean? I just what I you're suspending me for a game for cutting my classes, right?" But yeah, what do you, you didn't do anything to this coach? 
Right? Like, what kind of precedent is that setting? It's... It's, it's yeah, no. crazy. NCAA is going crazy right now. Even I think the University of Miami had a, a controversy come up this past weekend. Also, one of their uh, major donors is under federal investigation for how his company is uh, is doing these NIL deals. Um, it's it's. NCAA football is here, bro. <laughs> and here we go. Controversy. All these schools are ready to go at it. Um, it's crazy out here. If anybody has not seen this classic film from the 90s, based off of these things that we're talking about, go watch. We've already referenced it before. Go watch The Program. The Program. One of the best a most underrated yeah. football movie of all time. It's so hard to find because the NCAA has shut that movie down <laughs> so quick. Like they fought, they went to court to shut this movie down. Um, and, and they, I, I think they succeeded because it is hard to find that movie to find that movie to watch. I, I've, I've, yeah, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. I can't find it anywhere. Really? Yeah. Oh, I gotta do. Re- yeah, I got like I got to find this movie. Like I want to watch it again. It's been so long. Uh, but anyway, pretty much that that is the time that we have for today. Uh, thank you for for joining us. We appreciate. Uh, we've kind of got into. I, I feel like the title of this is just gonna be scandal. Uh, this is this was our scandal yeah. episode. Hopefully next week we have uh, a little bit more sports to talk to talked about. Actual sports. As training camp hits, as uh, as you know, football is in almost in full swing. Uh, I'm your primo Luis Velasquez. That's your primo Christopher Costello, and we are 